Amen. Let me do uh, the right thing. I'm here with my wife, Janet. Janet, you want to stand? The love of my life for 16 years. Yes. Janet comes from the mountains. I come from the lake. Um, when I was the chairman in Christian Union, she was the prayer coordinator. <laughs> so a friend of mine told me, it looks like you went for one of your ship. And uh, the rest is history. Amen. We thank the Lord for the graces given us to serve and also to be part of this fellowship uh, this evening. I've enjoyed worship. We intentionally came early so that we can be part of what God is doing, but through worship. Worship is so powerful. It's so powerful. It's a way that we will continue in life in heaven. So that's something that we need to rejoice about. A good introduction there. Thank you for reading that. I want to also do two things. I want to tell you just a little bit more because it's related to the topic today, the organization I work for. Now, for some of you who have gone to either commission or Ezra conferences, and you've gone for this topic they call urban evangelism or urban ministry. Perhaps some of you have been able to, to be part of uh, what we do. So African Enterprise, which is locally known as African Evangelistic Enterprise, we have one mission, to evangelize the cities of Africa through word and deed in partnership with the church. So we evangelize the church benefits. So we focus on strictly cities. Why cities? Cities are so key before God that the Bible begins in a garden and ends where? In a city. So as you start the book of Genesis, it speaks about the garden. But as you move towards Revelation, then John the Revelator speaks of, and I saw the city of Jerusalem coming down. So cities are so key. Once you evangelize the city, automatically the villages will experience the goodness of the Lord. Because these people that are decision makers automatically will move to the villages. So we focus on cities. We are domiciled in 12 nations. Uh, right from South Africa coming up, all the East African regions. So we have offices. So I lead uh, the Kenyan team, and I thank God for that. Uh, you've known about uh, my ministry in a local church. So I'm a leader, a national leader, but also a local pastor in a local church. It's important to belong to an assembly where you serve God also with your giftings and talents. Now, uh, I have a feeling that the person who connected me with you must have come from focus. So I want to keep it the focus style. Okay, is that okay? So if I'm not jumpy, maybe you expected a very jumpy speaker, I will not do that for this night. So I want it to be a cozy night. Just pick a few notes very quickly, anything that you can be able to pick in the next few minutes. And I believe that you'll be effectively prepared to understand what God would want us to do, matters mission. Now, the, the reading will be from Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 4, quick one, which is basically the state of the harvest. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city 
and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are what? Few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs among the wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. Very interesting scripture there. So I want you to note, when you read Luke chapter 10, you better understand it when you go now to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, Jesus releases 12 disciples. And 12 had names, right? So we have Peter, we have John. You're mentioning them, isn't it? So they had names. So it's easy to say if in, in, in Luke chapter number 9, Jesus sent the 12, then it is the 12 that are supposed to go. And the 12 represent the fivefold ministry. You know, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the the the, 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 which one is this? The fivefold ministry, okay? So he sends them, but in chapter number 10, he now sends people who are nameless. Some scripture says 72, some say 70. So Jesus is intentional in mentioning numbers, and numbers are very critical in the Bible. They're not just numbers for the sake of numbers. They mean something. So those 72 have no names. Now you are supposed to put your name there. Do you understand that? So he sent them two by two, but he sent 72. Now this is the problem. He says the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are what? Are very few. So there is a, a problem there. There is the harvest, but the people who are supposed to go are very few, and therefore, he says, do what? He gives you a solution. Send the Lord of harvest so that he may be, pray for the Lord of harvest so that he may be able to do what? To send out laborers to the harvest. So he says the solution there is to pray. Then he says, go, behold, I send you in a very hostile environment. That's what he means. I'm not sending you to a place where people will say, come, come, share for me, with me the word of God, no. I'm sending you to a place that there is a likelihood that somebody will tell you I'm not interested. So go prepared that it will not be an easy task. But he says don't carry anything. And even on the road, don't greet anyone. Now it does not mean don't greet anyone. It's basically saying the assignment is so urgent that when you are focused, when the day when you are headed to Kirinyaga, the purpose should be to preach the gospel, period. Anything else is secondary. Do you understand that? So that's the message there, that go focused on what you are supposed to do and do it well. Now, I, I, want, I want to give you the context within which urban setting, because the topic was go ye, but you are going in an urban setting. So I want you to understand very quickly that for you to be able to evangelize in any environment, it is important that you understand that particular context. Now, urbanization is a global trend which basically reflects growing population. Now, the rate of urbanization is faster in developing countries like Kenya. Now, it's usually as a result of just two main areas. The natural increase of population because people are giving birth. But the second is rural 
urban migration. So people are moving from the rural areas and moving where? Into the urban setting. Think about uh, the promulgation of the constitution. You automatically have seven urban settings where people tend to move towards. So as you go to evangelize, you need to understand what is my context. The best example I normally give is if you are going to fish, my friends from the Jewish community from the lake regions are here, isn't it? When you are going to fish, first of all, you must make up your mind what type of fish you are going for, isn't it? So if you are going for omena, then you must go with the right tools for what? Omena. If you are going for mbuta or ngege, <laughs> tilapia, or Nile patch, then you must go with the right tools. Otherwise, you'll be disappointed. Because right inside that environment where you are going to get something, there is big fish and small fish. So as you go to Kirinyaga, you'll meet the big boys. The guys who are driving in an intimidating Mercedes-Benz. But they need the gospel, isn't it? But you'll also come across the easy ones in a semi-settlement somewhere. So as you share the gospel in one door, once you are done, the dividing thing could be even just a paper bag. So the, we call them the small fish. In other words, as you are going to the environment, you must determine what kind of tool do you use. Because the gospel that you take to a governor, the gospel that you take to a chief, the gospel that you take to a street person, same gospel, but it's presented in a different way. Are you beginning to understand something? The environment must be understood for you to be able to re release results. Otherwise, you'll be a frustrated person. Why? Because you'll get an opportunity to meet this principal of this college, and as you go in there, you behave the same way you would behave if you are sharing the gospel in the border border, then you lose them. Some of you today, if God gave you an opportunity to take the gospel to the president, the president of this nation, I am very sure they will never give you a chance again in that setting. Because you'll go there and you tell the president, turn to your neighbor, tell them Jesus is here, shake somebody, tell them Christ has come, and you harass that place. By the time you are done, they are saying, please, you, you, you block yourself from going there, but you also block people like us who are decent from ever going to the president. Because there the language changes immediately. You know, the Lord entrusted the gospel to the kingship to a man called Paul. Paul, in our day and time, would be a PhD. He sat under a professor in Jerusalem called Professor Gamaliel. So he had the language. He had the understanding of the context. He was almost, what I would say, a, a, a graduate of a certain school. So God used those competencies, those skills, to be able to take the gospel to Rome. Why? Because he knew this is a man of decency. When he appears before Agrippa and Festus, as he's speaking to them and he realizes he says the wrong word, he apologizes immediately. I can assure you Peter would not apologize. 
the only man that appeared in a prayer meeting with a machete. That was Paul, Peter. Very rough. So Jesus ensured that he was dealing in the rough environment. So you, you, as you go to share the gospel, you begin to understand which area should you go and how should you behave so that you can get results. Very important. So we're understanding the context. Why are people attracted in cities? Better standards of living, better employment and education, better access to health. So there are all these reasons that are bringing all these people together. So it's important that the preacher understands the person that is in this context, what has brought them. If somebody is in the market, certainly they are there to earn a living. So it means you must be interested in what they are interested in. And that's why when Jesus met the Samaritan woman, what was the focus there? What was the connecting point? Water. And Jesus focused on water, nothing else. And that becomes the point of conversation. So as you meet these people and they are, they are roasting maize, let the conversation start around maize. That's their interest. You begin to touch their hearts. So the minister must be observant enough to understand what context am I operating in. Very important. So that's why I'm bringing in the aspect of context. So there are reasons why people go into those areas. But as they go, you begin to realize that as more of them are, are, are getting into that context, then certain issues begin to arise. One, increase of urban poverty. There is inadequate water supply. So you'll find that it's not a homogeneous area. You'll find that somebody in Kirinyaga will live in an estate based on their socioeconomic settings. So what do you see when you go into an urban setting? You see gated communities, isn't it? You see individual homes. You see homes with parking, homes without parking. Homes with vehicles, homes without vehicles. Understanding the area that you are moving in is so crucial because it will determine the manner in which you will behave. Because it is likely you'll meet a graduate there. It's likely that lady that is well-dressed could be a doctor, for example. So the way you speak to them is different from the way you'd speak to the mamamboga. So you begin to understand the context. You are likely to come across criminals. It is never written on their face they are criminals. But they could be criminals. How do you bring a criminal to the knowledge of Christ? So understanding that becomes crucial. Of course, the Holy Spirit will, will help us to do that. Now, I want us to see why God is interested in the context that you will be going to Kirinyaga, which is an urban setting. God has an interest in the cities, and this is what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then Acts of the Apostle chapter 18 and verse number 9, those who are writing, at Corinth, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. What did he tell him? Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack or hurt you. For I have many people in this city. Do you understand that? And the Bible says, for that reason, because of that revelation, Paul focused on the city. 
So the city is so important. God himself is interested in cities. Cities are very strategic in their nature. And I want to bring to our attention something that has happened in our day and time so that we see the context. In the past, a missionary was known as someone who would do cross-cultural ministry. So would move from one city to another. But in our day and time, that has changed. So we have what we are calling a convergence of cultures. What does that mean? Within that setting that you are in, if you evangelize the city of Nairobi today, effectively, you've evangelized the world. Why? Because UN offices is where? In Nairobi city. So you have the potential of being able to reach almost every person. If you go to Kakuma, uh, um, um, what do we call it? The camp. If you go to that refugee camp, whom do you find there? The Somalis. Whom do you find there? DRC Congo, whom do you find there? Perhaps even some Chinese have crept in there. You cannot be able to evangelize in China, in China, but you can now evangelize them in the city of Nairobi. Now, even though our focus is urban settings, let me say this. It is important to underscore that the Lord has sent us to the whole world. And that brings in, somebody help me to open this. Thank you. sweating and it's not, it's not good for a preacher man. <laughs> now I want to underscore even though the topic there is uh, urban evangelism it's important to understand the, the mission itself. The mission when Jesus speaks in, in Matthew chapter number 28 he says go and make disciples of all nations. That's the message there. Remember, this is the message of Jesus who is about to exit. So he's saying, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teaching them to obey. So obedience can be taught. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And then right inside that great commission, there's a great promise that I will be with you till the end of age. So there is an assurance. There is go make disciples. Making disciples simply means if you have Reverend Benson, let there be a production of, of another Reverend Benson. Somebody that will behave in the exact manner that you behave. And that's why Paul in many scriptures, you find him saying, you follow me as I do what? As I follow Christ. Because he knows he's a disciple, somebody that has sat under the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I am saying that so that you don't say, this man said because the mission context has been brought into the cities, we shouldn't go to Turkana. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying take advantage of the city where you are because by evangelizing uh, Kirinyaga, you are evangelizing, in essence, a number of people because right there, there are many nations. So this is what I want to do for us to make our work easy. I want to then show you open doors within those cities and how do you effectively evangelize those doors, okay? So top there we have the chief executive officers. You find them in the universities, you find them in the, in the, in the, in the boardrooms, you, you will find them when you go down there, you'll find administrative officers, people 
who have gone to school, they have one or two master degrees, they are well accomplished. If they walked into a bank, the bank must give them some money. The question will just be how much, but they will be given some money. So it's what now we, we are calling middle class. Middle class can walk into a bank and they negotiate what they want. So they could be given 100,000, depending on what their pay slip is saying. But somehow when they are being reviewed, it is automatic that they will get something. So you will come across those people. How do you share the gospel with them? One, you will find what we call gated communities. Gated communities, if you pitched a crusade outside a gated community, chances are one of those senior officers of NEMA lives in that place. Or there is a senior police officer in that gated community. So how then do you reach them? Gated community, you call them into a meeting. So that's what we call invitational ministry. You invite them either into church or you do what we do at African Enterprise. We have discovered that if you call these chief executive officers into any meeting, they never come. They will tell you they are busy, they are crisscrossing the globe. But if you call them into a dinner, just call it dinner, all of them will come. <laughs> or call it a breakfast meeting. I can tell you 90% will come. And not just a breakfast meeting in a mkahawa somewhere, no. Even the place where you are taking them determines that. Now, let me take you back to the initial illustration. I said, if you are going to the Lake Victoria and you want to fish, you don't tell people, I'm going fishing. You must say, what am I going to fish? So if you are going for the big fish, you, you don't find them in shallow ends. You find them where? in the deeper end. So it means you must launch in. You must invest in prayer. You must invest in resources. You must be well-educated. It means you've gone through school so that when you introduce yourself, I am engineer Omondi and I'm born again. They have all your ears. They wonder. So engineers also get born again because some of them believe that the gospel is for the poor, but the gospel is dealing with sin. It means every single person that is a homo sapien on this planet Earth, they have an issue with sin. And Christ died for them. Christ died for Sonko. It died for Aguambo. He died for Uhuru Kenyatta. Don't say that they are unsavable. No. That's a lie from the enemy. The question is, how do you take the gospel to such a person? Invite them into a dinner and for you, you know, and this is what we normally do. We bring them into a dinner setting. And some of you know what we call the national uh, prayer breakfast. Do you know that? Sometimes we think that what you see, when you see the president and all his friends come together and all these MPs are together in one small setting, you think that that is all about it. No. Behind it, there is usually a lot of caucusing, reaching out to them, speaking to them, developing small groups, and they have become part and parcel of those fellowships. But in that meeting, what you do, you bring in a professor, maybe from Jake Watt, and you tell them, come and talk to the top chief executive officers of this nation and talk to them about self-development. So that's a topic that is friendly. So as you begin the, 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 the discussion, most of them are listening. 
but you bring in the big question. You are a leader, but who leads the leader? Their ears open, and they want to know who leads the leader. And in a very nice way, the speaker has been instructed to bring the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you don't tell them, come and respond to an altar call, kneel before you, because they will not kneel. Even the way they'll be looking at you, you can tell they are thinking you have some mischief. So again, another strategy comes in. Because remember, they are big fish. Big fish is in the deep end. You must be wise how you get it. You can't throw just a few things. It must be something heavyweight. So the hotel is good. The message, they can see it's being done by a professor. You are not saying I'm a student. You are saying 2.1, 2. Point whatever. No. They will say go back to school. You, so, it has to be somebody that when they say, I am the chief executive officer of the Kenya Power and Lightning, they want to listen. You understand that? So, the wisdom is in bringing in the right person to then speak to them. And then at the point of altar call, what you do, you have, you have, a, a, okay, I've read this, thank you. You have a form where you have written details of what they just need to take. You don't want to make them busy. So that they just take, I want to be prayed for. I want to rededicate myself. Because some of them got born again in high school or in the university, but they backslid after money came. So you have a portion for them. They must also take, I want to be rededicated, or I want to be born again. Or I want to just to be prayed for. When you see the born again, the ticks for born again, those are people that have followed 24 hours. Within 24 hours, somebody has called them, they taken them to Java or a Hilton or wherever it is, and they are speaking to them. In Mombasa 20, 2017, we did a similar thing in Malindi, brought in the business community together, brought in a speaker from Nairobi, a former focus uh, uh, secretary general. As he spoke to them, when we picked those forms, 47 of them got born again. 47. So you've presented the gospel in an honorable way to them. You have not uh, 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 watered it in any way, but you share the gospel in a manner that they are able to understand. Now that makes sense. So some of the places that you go to, gated communities, you'll also find opportunities to go to hospitals. Hospitals are very easy for first-timers. You've never shared the gospel, you even fear, just go in there. There is no hospital that will block you from going to just pray with them. And you just need to see the matron and say, hey, we want to just come and pray with patients. What is the time that you normally allow people to come to hospitals? Because you'll come across hospitals where? In Kirinyaga. So don't insist on just the street, no, 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 no. Get into those hospitals and just go by the sides of the bed and all you do is to pray. But as you pray with them, you ask them the big question. What else can I pray for you about? Now, the hospital is a very interesting setting because naturally all of them sit facing up. So for three, four days they've been looking up. They, are, they must start thinking about God somehow, somehow. You understand? So they are already vulnerable. In fact, the days when I used to, to, to preach a lot in settings like that, I would threaten somebody. I would tell them, you know, you have two ways. You can either come out of this place or go to the mortuary. What is your choice? But don't use that. Just share the gospel 
present to them Christ, and then enable them to come to a place where they'll be able to understand the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then you lead them to, 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 to Christ. Police stations, very easy places, people that sometimes we, 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 we avoid to go to. Let me tell you, if you walked into a police station and told the OCS that you want to have two, three minutes, and even told them that you are a student, a, gradu a, a, a university student, they will give you access. They tell you, sit down, my, my boy or my daughter. What do you have to say? Say, well, I'm just concerned about one or two things. You start a story somewhere, but you are bringing it to the gospel. Whatever it is that you discuss, it has to come to a place where you share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So police stations, schools, children homes, sometimes we think that what we need to do with children homes is to go present to them something and go. A number of molestations happen in children homes. But what you do, you go in there, they sing for you one or two songs, they, say, they, they, they do for you memory verses, you are very excited, you go home after you've given a few biscuits, you have no clue you've left unbelievers in that home. So go in there, and once you're given an opportunity, you must present the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And we can go on and on and on and on, but let me bring to you a tool that I would want each one of you to use. It's called uh, relational evangelism. This involves being intentional in presenting the gospel within the context of a relationship. Okay? So each one of you has a, rela a relationship within the school or outside. But you'll find that in the mission setting, I do not know where you will be hosted. But chances are you will be in a home. That's already a place of relationship. So you can start harvesting from inside, outside. Because the home could be the mother is born again, the mother, the father is not. The two are born again, but the children are not. So you start from that environment where you have been hosted for the purposes of sharing the gospel. Let me give you some statistics. The research was done by evangelist Louis Palau and the study stated that 75% of all those who came to Christ did so because of a relationship with a saved friend or relative. What percentage? 75%. Now, the number went higher, and a similar research was done by the Institute of American Church Growth, and out of the, the numbers that were polled, 90% of those Christians had come to the knowledge of Christ based on an investment by a friend or a relative. What this research did, it began weakening the power of the crusade, the open-air crusade, which normally has 80% of the congregants of that church. And the, the few that we preach to, they are coming when the preacher is preaching and they're only picking Jesus, another one Paul, another one. They don't get the full gospel. But we, we preach our voices hoarse and then the results according to this is about 10%. Now am I saying don't do crusade? No. I am saying the power lies in one on, on one. Because therein lies the secret. And Jesus had this secret the Bible says in Luke chapter number 7, verse number 34, write that very quickly. The Son of Man has come 
eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton, a wine-biber, a friend of tax collectors and, and sinners. So Jesus was found among who? The wine-bibers, tax collectors, the gluttons, the sinners. What was he doing among them? Relationship. Relating with them, but with an intention to share the gospel. Paul himself applied relationship evangelism. In his own words, he says, To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I became all things to all men, that by all means I may save some of them. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 22. Andrew led his brother Peter to the Lord. This is what the Bible says in John chapter 1, 41 and 42. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translates to Christ. And then he brought him to who? To Jesus. So invitational. You are inviting them into an environment where they are able to hear the gospel. Philip led his friend Nathaniel to Christ. What did he do? He found his brother and then brought him to the knowledge of Christ. And he only and his brother was Nathaniel, who was a, 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 doubt, a doubting. Uh, was doubting even what he was saying. This is what the Bible says. We have found him who Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, and Nathanael said to him, can anything come out of Nazareth? The Bible says, Philip said what? Come and? Come and see. So that's what we call invitational. Very powerful that you could have even meetings set in the course of the week and your intention is to invite these people to the knowledge of Christ. Now, John Piper explains that in view of this, this is how we need to respond. This is what he says. To belong to Jesus is to embrace nations. That means you cannot say mission is not my thing. This is what John Piper says. He gives you three options. He says, you can be a goer, somebody who goes to, to, to reach out. You can be a sender, somebody who sends people by putting on their money. Or you can be disobedient. So it gives you how many options? Three options. You can be a goer, you can be a sender, or you can be disobedient. As a sender, you can mobilize people, help people to come to, 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 to mobilize uh, resources together participate in training and calling out others, but also as a goer, you can give, but also do what? But also go. Now let me share with you the reality check of this nation. A research was conducted by African Center for Mission, finished the task, and among the individuals that were interviewed, these were some of the results that came out, that in this nation, as much as we are 82, uh, uh, what we call 80% Christians, Nairobi, when they did the statistics, only 16% were found to be committed Christians. Now that begins to explain why on Sunday our parkings are full with vehicles. And then around 2 o'clock you see people now driving out. Where are they going? To do Nyamachoma but our churches are empty. In fact, if we evangelize the city of Nairobi effectively, we will have disaster in this city. Why? Because Nairobi right now, the population is about 6.5 million. 
Can you imagine 4 million coming into our churches? There is no church that would be able to receive them, including the universities. Only 16% were found to be committed Christians. Eastern region, 12%. Rift Valley and Central are to be combined and they only got 7%. This was research that was done by Dr. Wangombe and you guys know him. He was the one who was leading this. So 80% is nominal Christian. It is a John who is a thug. It is a Mary who is a prostitute. They just have a nominal name. They were told to take that form and they put there, they are either Christian or Muslim. So it means our urban centers must be evangelized. Nyanza, where my community comes from, only 6%. Yet we know there's Lejo Maria, there is Rohom Salaba. All those are cults. They are leading people to the wrong locations. And even if they are leading them to the cross, it is not the central cross, maybe the thugs. Western and coast had to be combined to give 5%. Can you imagine? The northeastern province, they could not even put numbers there. It was 0.13%. But the tragedy with these statistics is that when you go into those domains, you see churches all over the place. So ladies and gentlemen, as you go to Kirinyaga, go with the understanding that you are going to an evangelist. Do not believe anybody who is holding a Bible to tell you that they are born again. Evangelize to everyone that you come across. So how should the message look like? The time is so short that I cannot take you through the content of a message. But this is what I normally tell people in a short program like this. If you are going to share the gospel, focus on Jesus Christ. Let him be the center of the message. Whichever scripture you pick, please focus on who? Jesus. The message is that Jesus came to deal with sin. The human being could not help himself. Even the sacrifices that were annual was only up to the end of the year and then you were back to sin. But Jesus came once and for all and he dealt with sin. So focus on Jesus. It is your testimony, but bring Jesus in the picture. It is John chapter 1, verse number 10, 11, and 12. Focus on who? Jesus. The message must be on Jesus. So that if somebody picks the message, they are going up a lift. At least they've picked one thing. Jesus Christ at the center. You are a sinner. You need to help yourself. You've tried to help yourself. You cannot help yourself. But help is there. You can tap into it. Jesus. So Jesus becomes the center of the message. I was asked to mention something about preservation. How do you preserve people that have come to the knowledge of Christ? Okay. In three minutes. Jesus speaks of fruit. So they've gotten born again. So it's a fruit. But he says, fruit that abide, fruit that we can follow up. In 2019, we evangelized the city of Mombasa, the, the, the northern part of Mombasa. And as we are bringing the city together through a model we call stratified evangelism, as we evangelize that city, the first three days, 
even the church could not believe it because day one, we had about 2,000 coming to the knowledge of Christ. Day two, we were about 4,000. By the time we were coming to the tail end, we had 19,333 that came to the knowledge of Christ. How many missionaries were on the ground? There were 3,000 missionaries. Where were they hosted? They were hosted in homes. Because Jesus says, when you go into that city, don't go to hotels, including the team leader. Go into that home and look, not for every Christian, because not all of them will receive you. Jesus says, look for men of peace. And go into that home and say, peace be into this home. Then stay in that home. Do not move from home to home. That is the scripture that we just began reading. If you read the whole of it, uh, Luke chapter 10, you find that instruction. That instruction is because they know there is a lady who will go into this home and realize people are sleeping down and they want to shift from another to another home. So Jesus sneaks in the scripture, says, go in there, whatever they put on the table, if you eat somena, eat it. If it is Gideri, eat it. Don't say Mimi was Jisaidina. Why? Because he knew when you refuse to take that Gideri from that mama, that mama is already blocked for the gospel. They'll never listen to any Christian again. So he says, go into that city, identify men of peace, go into that place, then be able to eat and drink for the period that will be in that city. When you exit, now you can enjoy your bed back at home. They say sleep down there, just sleep down. You will not wake up and it is written, this one slept down. But after that, God will be glorified and you will be rewarded for the work that you've done. So, preservation. So, they've come to the knowledge of Christ. Remember this, they must be followed up within 24 hours. Beyond 24 hours, you lose them. So, if you are partnering with a church, ensure that they have what we call the birth certificate. In that particular card, whatever it is that you'll design, put the full name of that person and then have another section where you put their liars because somebody is called John, but where they are working, they are known as Johnny. So you go looking for John, you'll never find him. But when you ask for that Boda Boda called Johnny, then you'll find them. So put their details there, their phone number, and then the immediate church where they can go to. So preservation starts at the preparation stage. You must have a card that will capture the details of those people. For Jeku at CU, surely you can use even your mobile phones, isn't it? You can use a link, isn't it? So go to that level, but capture that information real time. Whenever you, somebody has gotten born again, within 24 hours, in most cases, they either think backsliding, they have questions that they're asking, or they come across another cult, and they are immediately put in because they cannot tell as children whether this is the true culture or not. So you must have a card, have materials for Bible, for Bible uh, discipleship, and then have mature Christians that will work with them. For your sake, just ensure that all that detail, before you exit Kirinyaga, you give them to the pastors, the local pastors, so that they can follow them. Within how many hours? 24 hours. Then, indeed, you'll be able to preserve them. Let me leave you with this one thought. This was by Charles Spurgeon, uh, who says, every believer is a missionary or an imposter. An imposter is a fraud. 
So who are you? Every believer is a missionary or an imposter. The, the question is, who are you? Make that choice because some of you need to be able to respond, but you have fear. Just remember that in that great commission, there is a great promise that I'll be with you until the end of the age. May the Lord bless his word. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the few hours that you've given us to share the word. I pray that some of those truths that your children have picked, maybe some of them have picked everything. Some have picked scriptures that they will refer later. And some of them have come to the place where they've understood a little bit more that which they need to do. And I pray that, Lord, as many as are desirous to go to that mission, that will cause them to be able to identify the different fish based on the grace of God and that the Holy Spirit will illuminate their mind and their heart and give them the timely word to be able to share with these dear ones. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that the enemy will not rob certain truths that we have received this night. We thank you. We honor you because we pray this in Jesus' name.